listening out there. I am Jessica Summersall, Pod News Coordinator for CFRC 101.9 FM. And today we have a special guest. Please join me in congratulating Sandra Yakup. She is one of the winners this year in the 15th Annual Inquiry at Queens for her idea of using variation in high Arctic vegetation spectral properties relating to geography and planning. For those who don't know what the Inquiry at Queens is, it is more than a conference. It is an approach to learning where the teacher and the learner resides in the same person. It is a natural extension of the university that prides itself on the quality of undergraduate education and its scholarships and research. It took place on March 11th and the 12th. Hi, Sandra, how are you doing? Good, how are you, Jessica? I'm good, I'm good. So let's get right into it. All right. What was the process like for you entering inquiry at Queens? And what did that process look like? Well, the process initially started with deciding to take on an undergrad thesis project, really, which I decided to do because I just wanted the opportunity to see something through and really dive deep into something beyond just coursework alone, especially in the sciences. I feel you don't really get the opportunity to experience hands-on the different types of challenges that can arise when you carry out a research project. And um, yeah, so I, I wanted that opportunity and I took it on under Dr. Neil Scott, who's my supervisor and he encouraged me to present at the conference. So I, I really found out about it through him and yeah, just to get experience with communicating in a scientific manner, which scientific communication is a really important skill to have in the sciences. So. Overall, the process was just taking on a thesis project and using Inquiry at Queens as a platform to get experience communicating in that style. Yeah. And how did you come up with your idea of variations in high Arctic vegetation spectral properties to predict various types of plants, soil, and environmental variables? Yeah, well, actually, I didn't come up with the idea. It was originally part of Jacqueline Hung's research. She's a PhD student at Queens, who's also supervised by Dr. Neil Scott, as well as Dr. Paul Treitz. And that portion of her research couldn't be completed because of other priorities. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty much an idea and data that was waiting around to be experimented with. But the idea of using spectral information from vegetation to model um, plants and environmental properties isn't a new idea. It's commonly used in agricultural um, practices, for example, to improve management and optimize fertilizer use as well as irrigation. So the novel part was kind of using that type of research and applying it to an Arctic setting. Wow. Okay. And that goes into my next <laughs> question for you. Um, yeah. What, what, why did you pick the Arctic specifically to centralize your research? Yeah, well, I mean, as I mentioned, it's, it was based on data that was previously collected in the high Arctic the summer of 2017. And the geography department at Queens actually has a high Arctic research station up on Melville Island in Nunavut called the Cape Bounty Arctic Watershed Observatory. And there's a website there that people can check out. They just search that through Google and Pretty much all sorts of research happens up there pertaining to mainly how landscape changes like permafrost thaw um, is affecting the Arctic system. And so the reason why the application of these methods taken originally from forestry and agricultural studies to the Arctic setting is important 
is because the issue of climate warming brings with it uncertainties with respect to how soil carbon stores in the Arctic will respond to warming. And being able to monitor these carbon exchanges is important to be able to create better earth system models, which are also vital to creating policies towards carbon emission targets, for example. So it's a whole thing. It's uh, very important, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in your presentation, you mentioned the impacts warming has on the Arctic and vegetation life. Can you go more into detail on what those specific impacts are and what those repercussions look like? Yeah, of course. Um, there are various impacts that warming can have in, mm -hmm. across various scales and across various realms. But to some, it's beyond just impacts on the way the landscape looks and behaves, consequences range across physical, biological, and societal impacts. And um, physical changes include things like, you know, reductions in sea ice and glaciers, which alter hydrological regimes across the landscape and increase landscape disturbances as well from permafrost thawing events. And then these physical changes can result in biological changes like alterations in sea life distributions and abundances, um, declines in polar bear survival rates and variable greening trends across the landscape. And then these physical and biological changes, of course, have societal impacts to northern communities that are increasingly facing challenges with food and water security because they're no longer able to navigate across these landscapes safely for subsistence hunting, for example. Um, with water security, with Arctic waters opening up because of reduced sea ice, um, there's increased shipping activity, which means increased pollutants and increased thawing, which may also lead to changes in hydrological chemistry. And, you know, again, that's polluting water sources. So there's all sorts of regional impacts and these are just a select few, but then if you want to scale up and look at the global scale, I'm sure most are aware of the warnings of sea level rise, which honestly can feel irrelevant sometimes because it's it just feels so far away into the future and there are entire communities across the world that today right now are under threat um, especially small island states in the southeast pacific for example and there's this and this isn't something i knew about right away i did a an essay project about it a couple of years ago and that's why i found out it's not something that's spoken about but there's an emerging crisis of how the global community is supposed to respond and take on the responsibility of climate change refugees, um, which are estimated to be in the millions by 2050. Um, so who's responsible for that? And where would those people go? And all of this is oh, interconnected wow. with warming in the Arctic because that's where all our stores of frozen ice are. Um, so there's a lot of repercussions across regional, and global scales that at the moment policy isn't prepared to address and the needs of um, the assistance of research in physical, biological and societal realms across these different scales to adequately take on these issues is needed. Um, yeah, so as you can see, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered to mitigate these types of consequences and especially to help minority communities in the Arctic and across the globe that seemingly don't feel like they're connected to each other, but in reality they are, that 
haven't played a role in contributing to these emissions. So there's a huge yeah. policy gap, there's a huge science gap. And so again, going back to science communication, all of it ties and links together. Yeah. Wow. And just even touching on like the policy gap, 2050 yeah. is not that far away if you really think <laughs> that's no. less than 30 years away. So like yeah. the fact that there's that a policy gap and like taking in refugees that's that has endured climate change at a severe and harsh rate. It's like, yeah, we do. That's I don't yeah. crazy how no one's asking those questions or like those questions are yeah. brought to the forefront. Yeah. And I don't know everything about that, but uh, there's a lot of difficulties with that. There's, I don't understand much about the process, but currently I think it's New Zealand and Australia that have like a lottery system in place with these small island nations mm -hmm. um, that it's just a lottery that happens every year that takes in a portion of people, I guess. But then there are also restrictions on, oh, like, are you able to actually work? So it's not, it's not a perfect system. It's not, yeah, it's not yeah. a perfect system at all. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of issues and a lot of things that aren't talked about a lot. Yeah. And in your opinion, what doors could your research open in terms of us preventing any further calamities already done to the environment? And even if you do want to touch on like the policy gap that you mentioned earlier, like just in general, what can your research provide and help us maybe yeah. manage what we've already damaged? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, considering how much carbon there is stored in Arctic regions, there's no, there are only estimates of how much there is stored and the current estimate is estimated to be doubled out of the atmospheric pool. And the remote nature of the Arctic, so considering carbon stores, considering the remote nature of the Arctic and the fact that a lot of climate models used to inform policy don't adequately consider Arctic changes because of the lack of research to adequately model that the idea of using remote sensing information to quantify these uncertainties and processes is something that is vital and of great need when it comes to creating optimal climate warming mitigation plans relating to greenhouse gas emission targets, for example. Um, and because the current targets are based on incomprehensive models that don't account for those Arctic stores of carbon, um, there is a possibility that the goals set in place would not be enough to achieve the current target of limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius on average. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a goal outlined by the IPCC, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, for those who aren't too familiar with that. And it was concluded by a body of scientists based on comprehensive assessments of the scientific literature that limiting to 1.5 degrees by 2050 in comparison to two degrees or higher would reduce the likelihood of initiating um, environmental cascades that would make it harder for the earth system to recover from. And going back to Arctic remote sensing, where this fits in to the picture is it helps to fill the missing gaps of what the Arctic contribution to carbon emissions will be as the earth warms to this 1.5 target, hopefully not more. And determining what that contribution will look like will then 
again, policy tie-in, determine how much human emissions need to be reduced to account for that. Um, even with this 1.5 degrees Celsius target though, I don't know the specifics, but sea level rise is still going to increase. It's just gonna increase at a decreased rate. So going back to the example of climate change refugees as a result of um, small island nations being completely inundated, mm. that's still going to happen. It's just allowing us more time to be able to act on that. And so that's why it's important regardless of if this target is achieved or not, policy should be in place or else, as you can imagine, we'd have a big disaster on our hands as to all these people just, you know, their homes completely gone underwater. Yeah. Where would they go? Yeah. Wow. And I think these are the questions, especially now, that needs to mm -hmm. be asked. And also, like what you mentioned, just putting a plan in place, because even if we do decrease, we're still going to end up there. We're still going to end up at that, uh, hopefully not past the target warming rate that you said, but like yeah. it's still going to happen because we've caused so much damage already, but having time is valuable to put in an action plan so that mm -hmm. people that like, so that we save people that we've kind of all contributed or to the wreckage of it all. Wow. Yeah. 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 And the sciences, it can be really easy to, um, I think just focus on the physical aspects because that's what the science is. Sometimes it's, you have to look at those smaller, more basic fundamental questions, but it's also really important to tie it back to, oh, okay, why are we doing this in the first place? Yeah. Who are the people that are being impacted? And so, you know, that's why I, I brought up, you know, the three different realms. It's not just about the physical and the biological impacts. Those two things impact people and it's important to remake that connection and talk about that all three go hand in hand like they all mm -hmm. play a part yeah how did it feel to be a part of the few winners selected this year <laughs> um and how are you going to utilize this opportunity in your future studies yeah um it, it feels good I honestly wasn't as aware of this part of the conference so it was a pleasant surprise when I got the notice it definitely feels like a, a nice way to wrap up my five years of undergrad here, which has caused me to experience a lot academically and socially and personally. Um, the thesis project taught me a lot about just the process of doing research in general and the things that need to be considered and kind of just allowed me to make like a mental checklist of what to do better next time and what to focus on more next time. And it'll help me with taking on my master's thesis, which I'll be doing at Queens as well. Um, and then the experience at Inquiry and this interview um, just gave me opportunities to strengthen myself as a scientific communicator, which is really important and often forgotten part of the scientific process. So overall, I'm, I'm glad I had the experience and I'm glad I got the opportunity to communicate more about this topic with you. And hopefully people listening got a chance to something new from this yes hopefully well thank you so much sandra for coming on air to cfrc 101.9 fm thank you your successful research presentation on using variations of high arctic vegetation spectral properties and also being one of the inquiries at queen's winners 
Uh, thanks again for everyone tuning in. I'm Jessica Somersault, and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.